This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. deceive here in the Greek is the Greek word of paralagosimai and it means to cheat, to deceive by false reasoning. This word is only mentioned twice in the entire New Testament. Here in James chapter 1 verse 22 and Colossians chapter 2 verse 4. So the deception comes from thinking that we have done all that is necessary just by hearing the word of God. Have you ever tried witnessing to someone and their understanding of the gospel leads them to pray the sinner's prayer, but continue sinning as usual afterward. In today's message, Pastor Eddie teaches from James chapter 1, which says that faith in Jesus alone does not guarantee salvation, but a believer must also seek to do good works in their life as the physical evidence of Jesus' transforming presence in them. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of James chapter 1. As he begins his message, be doers of the word. James chapter 1, verses 21 to 27. So let us read these verses together, and then we'll look at them individually. Verse 21, James writes this, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, He's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. Well, he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forget what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. That is our text. For those of you who are taking notes, we're going to look at two things in this passage, two things. Number one, in verses 21 to 25, verses 21 to 25, be doers of the word. We're called to be doers of the word. That's in verses 21 to 25. In verses 26 and 27, it is the pure and undefiled religion before God. A pure and undefiled religion before God. Well, we read the text. Let us now study it verse by verse. James chapter 1. Let's look at verse 21. James write this, Therefore... Lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. Lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. If you find it difficult, if you have difficulty in following James when he wrote previously in chapter, in verse 19, that to be swift to hear, that may be 
because your spiritual ears or your, your spiritual life is clogged and filled with filthiness and wickedness. Let us be honest. We all sin. We, we're not, we don't practice sin. We're not sinners in the sense that we don't, we don't practice sin, but we still sin. We're not perfect, right? That's what John writes in 1 John chapter 1. If we say we don't sin, we call God a liar. We do sin. We mess up we, all the time. But what happens? We can go to the Lord, and he, can, he, he is faithful to forgive us. But we fail, and there's some things in our lives that constantly need to be removed from our lives. Right? That's why we have the Holy Spirit dwells in our hearts. That's why we have the Word of God to filter out those things in our life that, does, that doesn't please the Lord, and it's not good for us, and it's sinful. It needs to be removed. Things that do not look like Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit does, is to make us look more and more like Jesus, and it strips away all these things. But we need to lay aside the filthiness and the wickedness in our lives to get rid of it. Now, the filthiness here refers to any sort of moral defilement, anything that's moral defined. That includes... Every form of impurity, things that are impure, whether it's spiritual, mental, or physical. The wickedness refers to a moral evil and corruption in general. So it's moral evil and corruption in general, especially in regards to the intent. So these are the things that, you know, our nature, we were born in sin, but now we're born again. And as we're born again, we've been renewed day by day. We're a new creation, and we're letting the Holy Spirit just strip away these things from our lives. And so we need to lay these things aside. So let's read verse 21 and then read the rest of the verse. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Lay aside the filthiness and wickedness. And once we do that, then and only then will we receive able to receive the word of God with meekness in a humble way, humbly receiving the word of God that's already planted in us. When we lay that aside, then the word of God can take root and it can continue, we continue to grow from the word of God. When was the word of God, when was the word of God planted in us? It happened when we received Christ as Lord and personal Savior. Just at the first, after the first service, we had a gentleman who received Jesus Christ. He accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and personal Savior, and he is born again. So that just took place in the first service. This is what it's all about. But now, as soon as he, just like him, you and I, and the gentleman who gave his life to the Lord this morning, uh, the word comes in us. God comes in our heart. The Holy Spirit comes in our heart. And because Jesus Christ is God, and because Jesus Christ is the word, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. In verse 14 of John chapter 1, it says, and the word became flesh. So it's in us. The word of God, when we receive Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the word of God dwells in us. Now understand that the, this idea of God having the word implanted in you and I, uh, started. it was something that was prophesied thousands of years ago in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. There the Lord spoke through a prophet by the name of Jeremiah. The Lord prophesied of a new covenant. And this is what the Lord said through the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 to 33. The Lord said, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. If there's a new covenant, it means there's an old covenant. With the house of Israel, with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant, which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this 
is the covenant. This is the new covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I would put my law in their mind and write them in their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. So it's no longer what's written in stones. It's no longer what's written in the word. Yeah, we do have it here, but it's to be here. And all begin that implanted word, the implanted word in us, in you and I, every single one of who have received Christ as Lord and personal Savior, the Holy Spirit, the word is implanted in us. But it's not only the word, but it's also the spirit of God. That too was prophesied some thousand years ago by another prophet, the name Ezekiel. Ezekiel. And Ezekiel, the Lord spoke to the prophet Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 24 to 27. It says this, the Lord said, for I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all countries and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, within you and cause you to walk in my statue and you will keep my judgment and do them. So you see, this is something that God planned in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, being fulfilled with the New Covenant through Jesus Christ, who is the Mashiach, the Messiah. And so the Spirit of God through the Word that is the planted Word that's in us causes us to have life, causes us to move. It moves us. It moves us. The word of God, it's powerful. It's powerful. Powerful enough to save our souls. So he's saying that the implanted word is able to save our souls. And we know the word is powerful because the writer of Hebrews tells us this in Hebrew chapter 4 verse 12. It says, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and of joints and of marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. It's powerful. So the word of God is powerful that it saves us. That's where it all begins, right? It's implanted and it saved us. The psalmist writes in Psalms 119, verse 41, let your mercies come also to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your word. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, Peter writes this, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. And so here's the question. If the word of God is powerful, sharper than any two as a sword, um, it's able to save our souls, is it not equally powerful to help us and save us from our trials and temptation? Yeah. Right? That's what we read. That's what we've been reading in chapter one. If it's able to save you, it's able to sustain you. It's able to save you from your trials and your tribulations and temptation. It does. And is it planted in us to save us? You know, something about the fact the word that's being implanted in our hearts and the Holy Spirit. I love the promise Jesus gave to his disciples. Not only is it saying about the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Holy Spirit will be in us, but the fact that the Holy Spirit is our helper in every way to remind us of these things that have been written in us, that word that's implanted in you, that's in the mind. 
Throughout your, 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 your life as a, as a born-again Christian, hearing and studying the word of God, you know, it's, it's put into our hearts. It's put into our mind. I love Jesus. This is what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 26. Jesus said, but the helper, who's the helper? The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things yeah. and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. So the word that's written in our hearts and it's in our mind, we have the help from the Holy Spirit to remind us of the things that we have learned in the word of God. Now, the word of God we know is powerful. This is the reason why we study and we read the scriptures here, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. And we want the word to be implanted in us. Because, you know, even though you may have amnesia, you may forget some of the passages in scriptures and you may think, wait a minute, I need the Bible so I can... No, God... The power of the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance the things that I have taught you. I don't know about you, but there have been times when I, you know, didn't have a, my Bible with me, or uh, I didn't create a sermon or write a sermon down, uh, was able to look at my phone, but speaking to someone, someone asked a question, the Bible said, always be ready to give an answer. And all of a sudden, the word just comes out. Certain scenarios where I could really use the Bible and the Holy Spirit just all of a sudden quickens my heart. I remember that verse. It happens to me over and over again. There's times when I study a passage in the Word of God and maybe a month or two later on, you know, I, didn't want, I, I remember. Because the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance the things that I have taught you. Whenever the time comes, don't be afraid what to say or how to say it. Just be bold and speak. This is exactly what Peter and John, when they stood before the Sanhedrin Council, they questioned him. They questioned them, and they didn't know what to say, but they realized after he kind of set them straight, they say, wow, this guy is a fisherman. They didn't go to rabbinical school, but they knew it was with Jesus. You see, and that's the important thing about the word of God. It's implanted in us. So we need to eliminate these things in our lives, all the things that are not godly, so that we allow the word of God, the planted word of God in us to overflow, to, to sustain us, to keep us, okay? Now let's look at verse 22. Now that we know we have the implanted word, we're putting aside the filth and wickedness. Look what it says in verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. I'm going to read that again because it's a very, one of those very popular verses. Uh, it says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. It is not enough. It is not enough to be swift to hear. We were told that in verse 19. But we're to be doers of the word of God. We're to be doers of the word of God. And just like when he talks about temptation, it comes from within. When it comes to hearing and not doing, that also comes from within. You deceive yourself. You deceive yourself. Because quite often we hear things that we do not do. And that's what he says. Don't deceive yourself. Now the word deceive here in the Greek is the Greek word of paralagasimai, and it means to cheat, to deceive by false reasoning. This word is only mentioned twice in the entire New Testament, here in James chapter 1, verse 22, and Colossians chapter 2, verse 4. So the deception comes from thinking that we have done all that is necessary just by hearing the word of God. You understand that? You understand what it says? The deception comes from thinking that we have done all that is necessary just by listening to the word of God. 
When actually, listening to the word of God is only the beginning. But we must, we must, we must be doers of the word, not only hearers, doers. Now, here's the danger. This is the reason why Christians are, have a problem growing in the faith. This is why we have a problem that we don't mature. This is the reason why church to us is just something we do in the weekends. This is why we don't grow. This is why when we go through trials and tribulations and we go through all things in life, we cannot overcome it because we're not doers. We're listeners. We're listeners. For example, we can hear and agree the word of God when Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. We can hear those words. Matthew chapter 22, Mark chapter 12, Luke chapter 10. We can hear. You can hear the words. Love your neighbor as yourself. Say amen. Praise the Lord. However, if we don't love our neighbors, we deceived ourselves. We can hear and agree with the word of God. It says, pray without ceasing, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, and say, amen, praise the Lord. However, we're not praying. We have deceived ourselves. We can hear and agree with the word of God. It says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, and say amen to that. However, we are not presenting ourselves the way that God approves. We have deceived ourselves. We can hear and agree with the word of God when Christ commands you and me and every believer in Christ to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that he has given us and that he commands us. We could say, Amen, praise the Lord Jesus. However, if we're not sharing the gospel, making disciples, and bringing them to a place where they're baptized, we have deceived ourselves. Saints, there's just a few of the many hundreds of verses. The Bible commands us to do things, and we're not doing it. We can hear it, but we're not doing it. Where's the fruit of that? Where's the evidence of it? And you may, you may, you know, test yourself. And I ask the question, you don't have to answer. I'll ask the question. How many of us have followed the great commission of Jesus Christ? Sharing the gospel to the world. When was the last time, and you answer this for yourself, when was the last time you share about Jesus Christ? When was the last time? Hearers, not doers. I hope you're doers. I told you the book of James is going to hit you hard. It's gonna, and we only chapter one. <laughs> There's more to come. If you don't come to church, <laughs> I'm going to go to your house and give you the rest of the stuff. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> you know, James is hard. James is in your face. James doesn't play. We need to be doers, not listeners only. We're not following the word of God. It's not just a collection of good literature, books. No, it's life. We're to be obedient to it. We're to follow it. Not only read it, hear it, Study it, but do it. Doers of the word. And Jesus himself, you know, rebuked the Pharisees. And he gave this parable. It's called the parable of the two builders. The parable of the two builders. And in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27, Jesus said this. He said, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I would like him to be a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But 
everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the flood came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, and it fell. And he ends, adds to that, and great was his fall. These are the words of Jesus. We can hear, we can study, but we're not doing it. We're deceiving ourselves. So are we like the wise man who does exactly what God says to do, builds his house on the rock, which is Jesus, and he's talking about the house, your, your life, you, on the rock, Jesus is the rock. Or you're not listening to what Jesus says, but you're building your own house, your own way. You don't know anything about building a house. You're building on sand, and guess what happens? Saints, it's true for every one of us. We, in the same thing, we could come to church week after week, month after month, hear and agree with every Bible study and every verse, say amen, amen, amen. And not do what we study, we fool ourselves, we deceive ourselves. We could fill our house with Bible verses framed to the wall on the refrigerator, or have a little Bible, the, the daily bread, or, or scriptures by a nightstand. And we don't follow and do what we study. We fool ourselves. Saints, there must be, there must be a deep desire of God speaking to us and a willingness to obey his word wholeheartedly, faithfully. That's the life of a Christian. Live a life as you believe wholeheartedly what you believe. If you believe in Jesus, you are a Christian. You are a follower of Christ, the Messiah. You follow what the word says. Everything we do, our life, everything we do, our life is to translate the Bible, to be doers of the word, translate the Bible, the word of God into action. That's why the theme of the book of James is faith that works. It's not faith for salvation, but it's faith that works. We're not saved by works, lest any man should boast. Second, uh, I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It's not by works, lest any man should boast. But the fact that we say there should be evidence in what we believe in. Being doers. How do they know you're Christian? That guy's got to be a Christian. He's always sharing the gospel. He's always with his Bible. He's always talking about Jesus. He's ministering to people. That guy is a Christian. And we don't do it for show, but we do it to glorify God. James, later on, would say, James chapter 2, verse 20, he says, But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Not faith of salvation again, but the fact that we're saved, we get to do what we do. James chapter 2, verse 26, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So just think of in a funeral, the corpse just laying there in a coffin. It's not alive, it's dead. That's what it is for a Christian. Have you asked God to help you? As I grew up, this was a common phrase used in conjunction with numerous situations, from lost items to important decisions to doing what was right in a difficult moment. 
It reminds me of the verse in James 1.5 that talks about asking God when you just don't know what to do. Also in verse 12, where James reminds Christians that the promise of heaven hinges not only on accepting the gift of salvation, but also standing firm in what you believe while resisting sin. Having faith in God is the stepping stone to real humility, love, patience, and growth. Are you feeling stagnant in your relationship with God? Do you need someone in your corner? If so, here's Jessica with an invitation just for you. Prayers for this ministry would be so appreciated. The opportunity for the lost to be reached over the radio is incredible. So please pray for our listening audience and that what's shared will alter people's lives forever. Another way you can support us is by prayerfully considering giving in a financial way. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into producing this program. And we're grateful for all who are willing to come alongside us to support the creation of each program. If you feel led to do this, you can find a Give tab at runningtheraceradio.com. What a great invitation for those in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area. Just for you folks that aren't close and any who are interested, visit runningtheraceradio.com to not miss out on the many great ministry opportunities of Calvary Chapel of Milford. Our time has come to an end, but thank you so much for joining us today on this broadcast of Running the Race.